Hello and welcome once again to the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas, and today we are going to talk about the projection bias. And the projection bias basically means that you think that everybody else thinks the way you do. And this may sound very familiar uh, because we talked about the false consensus bias before, and it's, it's the false consensus bias is kind of related to that. But the projection bias also takes into account that not only is it other people you think think the way you do, it's also your future self. So you think Dave, you know, January 4th, 2019 is going to be, have the same feelings and preferences and emotions as, you know, Dave, um, uh, March 29th, uh, 2020, right? Uh, and this goes into like our buying habits and all sorts of things. So just the notion that you think everyone else thinks the way you do is problematic for all sorts of reasons. Um, we didn't talk about this last time, but, uh, you know, in terms of the false consensus effect, like it makes it terrible for folks like me who are experienced designers, right? I'm a content strategist. I'm supposed to help build experiences and websites for other people. So if I think everyone thinks the way I do, I'm going to build terrible products because everyone doesn't think the way that I do when they see the product I built for them without thinking about them, right? That's why we try to follow like a methodology that says, no, you do research and find out what other people think before you build things for them. That's why that exists is because there is this projection bias out there. Um, uh, same thing for marketers and, and all sorts of folks who have to make things for other people. But, um, but what I focus more today on is this other aspect that we haven't explored as deeply, which is how you have trouble relating to your future self. Um, and, uh, uh, Kendra Cherry, writing for ExplorerPsychology.com, and a great quote about this, she said, we have, dif- we have a difficult time empathizing with our future selves. I love the way that's phrased, because it really is an empathy gap, an, em- an empathy problem, right? You can't really relate to or predict um, or understand the emotional state of your future self, the same way that we can have trouble empathizing with someone who's not us um, just in the real world, right? Like, I have trouble empathizing with this one group here or this other person there. You have just as much trouble empathizing with your future self. Um, and, and, and like, trying to place your current self in the emotional state of your future self. It's, it's trickier than it seems. And what we usually do is we just assume, oh, whatever my current emotional state is, that's going to be my state forever, right? Um, and this plays into buying decisions because, like, or any kind of decision, right? We think about what makes us happy now, as a proxy for what will make us happy in the future. We just assume, hey, this buying decision I'm making right now, oh, of course it's going to be the same buying decision I'd make, you know, two years from now or two months from now or two weeks from now, right? And one of the things we forget about when we do this is a thing called hedonic adaptation. And hedonic adaptation is this phenomenon where almost no matter what happens, your baseline emotional state you'll eventually return to it. So if, generally speaking, you're a happy person and something terrible happens, eventually, maybe even within like three months, I think, is the rough time frame they find these things, things take place, you'll come back to being a generally happy person. And if you're generally a sad bastard, if something wonderful happens to you, within about three months, you'll go back to being a sad bastard. And they've done experiments where it's like you take a set of people, a large set of people, and get sort of their baseline happiness score, like on a one to five, right? Um, and then some of those people win the lottery, and some of those people um, become uh, paraplegics. And the people who become paraplegics within three months go back to whatever their baseline happiness rate. So if they were at a two and they become a paraplegic, within a few months they're back to a two again. If they went down to a one, they're back to a two. And if they are a two and they win a lottery, win the lottery, within about three months they go back to being a two. So no matter what, with their, like a very small number of like life events that this doesn't apply to, but by and large, you will return to whatever baseline state you were you were at. So you think that, oh, I'm going to do this thing that's going to make me happy, 
now and therefore make me happy in the future. It's like, well, actually, in the future, you'll probably return to whatever your baseline emotional state is. And this thing that maybe give you momentary happiness isn't going to, um, isn't going to guarantee you, you know, future happiness. Um, so, and a lot of it is, um, yet another bias, uh, like the anchoring bias we've talked about before. Um, and you tend to anchor to your current emotional state when making decisions. You, again, you don't think about the other possibilities. You just go with what's available. Okay. I know how I feel right now. That's an easy thing for me to perceive. So I'm going to make my decisions based on that. And I'm going to assume that everything else, you know, falls in line with that. Um, and it makes long-term planning difficult, right? Um, and it's, it's the, it's the root of the whole, don't go to the supermarket when you're hungry thing, which is a cliche, but it's actually based on real research. In fact, um, some of the research on this, this was done by Wilson and Kales in 2013. Um, they found that when you're hungry, it's not so much that you buy more food, it's that you buy more calories, right? So you might actually buy less actual, you know, products of food or, or, or a number of packages of food, but the food that you buy is much higher calorie. Um, and again, it's this notion that you are hungry right now and you assume you're going to be that hungry in the future, and so you just buy whatever's going to fulfill your need for right now. Um, and uh, Megan Busey, Devin G. Pope, uh, Jaron C. Pope, and Jorge Silva Riso, and I apologize for any mispronunciations there, uh, found that convertible car sales, right, go up in April. Right, and that's sort of a standard thing. And why April? Because that's when you start thinking about warm weather. But they also go up if there's an unseasonably warm date in the winter. Right, just the notion of oh, it's sunny out. Of course, I want a, um, a convertible car now, and I'll want one for all time because it will never be cold again. Right, you, 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 you make those decisions based on the moment. Right, and they go down again when it gets cloudy. Right, the sales convertible sales go down when it gets cloudy. So we really are just very reactionary creatures. Um, Michael Conlon, Ted O'Donohue, and Timothy J. Vogelsang, again, apologize for horrible pronunciations, um, found a really interesting effect with um, orders, like retail catalog orders of, of cold clothing, right, or, or cold weather clothing. Um, and they found that for every 30-degree fall in temperature on the day that you order it, there's a 4% increase in the likelihood that you'll return it when the when the clothing actually arrives. The presumption being basically that I ordered this when it was really cold out. By the time it got here, it's kind of warm out now. And so I'm like, well, this is stupid. Why would I ever need this again? And they return it. But they found this like consistent effect, which is kind of crazy. Um, but uh, what I'm curious about, that study was done in 2007. So I'm curious if sort of Amazon Prime kind of same day or second day ordering is like completely demolished that because it probably is the same temperature when you get the coat as when you ordered the coat. Um, but that's another example of that 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 projection bias. Um, this also kind of accounts for shiny object syndrome, where like you hear about a cool new trend and you want to jump on board, or you see a shiny new iPhone and you want it. Um, although with the iPhone, I wonder if we've gotten to the point now where we've had hedonic adaptation as a like culture with the iPhone, where it when it started we were like this is going to change everything, and it kind of did, but then. 10 years later, it's like, okay, um, this is just normal now. Like I've adjusted to, I've adapted to how cool this is. And so it's no longer cool. It's just functional, um, and essential, but functional. Right. Um, so we don't get excited about it as much anymore. And I'm recording this like on the day that Apple like released their like projection figures. Um, no, see what I did there. Their projection figures being lower than they expected for Q4. So I'm, I'm probably being biased by that. Um, so the definitive work on projection bias uh, is a work called Projection Bias and Predicting Future Utility by George Lowenstein, Ted O'Donohue, and Matthew uh, Rabin, Rabin, R-A-B-I-N. Um, and I will link to that in the show notes if you kind of want to read that sort of full work. Um, another bias this is related to is called hyperbolic discounting. And we talked about it 
uh, I think maybe back in season one. Um, and it's this notion that we have difficulty, you know, projecting out into the future in terms of like future benefit. So if there's something like dieting or exercise that in the short term isn't very pleasant, but in the long term can give us really good uh, benefits, we probably won't do it because <laughs> we have trouble like valuing that correctly, right? We we really think we overvalue the our current emotional state and and the the benefit to that, and undervalue our future emotional state. So we sell, we throw we throw our future selves under the bus, pretty frequently. That's kind of the overall arc of this bias and many biases is that we're really terrible to our future selves. Our bias is actually to serve our present self as much as possible. So things like hyperbolic discounting um, that get into sort of saying, well, you know what, it's not going to be so awesome for me. Um, or I can't even imagine clearly enough how awesome it'll be for me to exercise or the benefits of my exercise today. All I can think about is how painful it is to exercise today. You know what? I'm out. Um, also kind of have the root in this projection bias of I can't really relate to my future self. I can't empathize with my future self and their need to not feel terrible. Um, and so I'm just going to do what feels good right now. Um, so all of that to say, uh, try to be nicer to your future selves. And uh, that'll be all for this week for the Cognitive Biased Podcast. I'm your host, David Dolan Thomas. We will see you next time.